I don't throw darts at a board. I bet on sure things. Read Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Every battle is won before it's ever fought. Think about it. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Always B, B, C closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. The show goes on! It's Wednesday night and fantasy football is on the agenda. Grab a seat and let's get down to business. It's time for the fantasy boardroom. Here's your host, Tycoon. fantasy boardroom it is showtime baby let's go it is the holiday season we are right in the thick of it just got out of thanksgiving we're headed right into december it is december 1st it is whatever holiday you celebrate season it is beautiful it is wonderful what a great time of year you know we're going to be festive normally you see me in the shirt and tie but you know, we're going the holiday sweater this time around, and you will see that throughout the month of December. So tune in each week to see which one is next. Only here on the Fantasy Boardroom. Dustin from Get Right has made his appearance. Welcome, sir. Glad to see you. Welcome to the boardroom. Welcome to the, <clears throat> the playoff push, because that's what we're focused on today, the playoff push. That's what time it is here in the fantasy season. We've only got two weeks left in the fantasy regular season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you're thinking, oh, I already clinched, blah, blah, blah. I'm good to go. And, well, that's not the case for everybody. A lot of us uh, in a lot of leagues, you know, it's close. It's bunched up there in the middle in most leagues. Top couple of spots, maybe the third spot is already kind of locked up. You kind of know who's going to finish in whatever order. But there's that whole group of, you know, seven and five, six and six teams from four through eight, maybe. So there's a lot still to be decided. And... Eh. You know, what happens in these next two weeks is extremely critical. And even if you already feel as though your playoff position is secure, well, there's still seeding that matters. There are still bye weeks at stake. It's very important. So this is going to be a very critical episode as we dive into week 13. And for some of us, very few, a lot of leagues, it was last week, a lot of leagues, it is this week, the trade deadline is here. So... If you are on a contending team, particularly this is dynasty relevant, make sure that you're being aggressive, going out and getting that extra piece that could help put you over the hump if there's still time. You know, attack those bottom feeders, help them reload for next year. Uh, picks are important. They're valuable. Don't overvalue them. Winning now is always the name of the game. Oh, them boys, what up, Santa Tycoon? No, I'm not. I don't have the hat on. Don't have the hat on, them boys, but... Maybe that'll happen sometime this month. It's a little early for that, but it at least has to make the appearance. <laughs> A.K.A. Santa. Um, if you're unfamiliar, the Get Right Boys have termed me uh, A.K.A. due to the many names that they have known me as various uh, handles, logins, what have you, on various platforms. So, hmm. But I'm Tycoon. That's all you need to know. I'm Tycoon. 
So yeah, don't forget though, though if you are still yeah in a position in a dynasty league to attack a lower seeded team or not a lower seeded team, but a lower team in the standings that uh, needs a little extra ammo for next year, go do that. Get that piece. It's gonna help you move on. If you're one of those middling teams, if you're just barely gonna make it, or you're heading in with star players hobbled, I would not suggest being quite so aggressive. Uh, maybe still look to make a move so you have something. You never know what will happen. Once you're in the dance, anything can happen. Don't go crazy. Be realistic about who you're competing with. <sighs> so, last thing I want to say before we really dive into it. There's only a limited number of weeks left here in the fantasy season. We've got week 13, week 14, and then if you've made the playoffs, you've got the playoffs. And if you're a DFS player, sure, you get to keep going, but... The season's flying by. I, all offseason, we clamor for this. We clamor for this. Yeah, we've seen a lot of weird football, a lot of bad football this season. But do not take these final weeks for granted because by the time April rolls around, you're going to be begging for preseason. Begging. You're going to wish Tim Tebow was out there. You'll give anything for football. So enjoy these weeks. Enjoy these last weeks of fantasy. And. Let's just have a great time. And actually, I take that back. There's going to be one more thing we address before we dive into the agenda tonight here in the boardroom, and that is a slight format change. Uh, I've been thinking about it. I put a lot of thought into the show. We're airing Wednesday night here. For those that listen to the audio, you're listening Thursday morning at the earliest. So at that point in the week, you're really thinking about the upcoming matchups. You've already put your recap and analysis and everything of the previous week in the rear view. So with that in mind, the boardroom is going to be a little bit more, and by a little bit more, I mean almost exclusively solely forward-focused and forward-looking. Uh, it doesn't make it that much sense to go through as much recap as we typically do. I mean, it's fun to do things like give out the honors from the previous week. But if the show was early in the week, that would make a lot more sense. Right now, that's not where our heads are at. That's not really where my head's at. I know that's not where your head's at. So we'll still cover notable news items. We'll still cover important things that happened in the previous week and also how they're specifically relevant to the upcoming week. But really, we're just going to focus on this week's matchups uh, moving forward. And we're also going to feature a little bit more prop talk as well. So uh, for those that are able to bet legalized sports gambling or are able to participate in DFS sites that offer prop picks such as Underdog or Thrive or Prize Picks, definitely Prize Picks, Code Collective. Uh, you know, want to give you give you some thoughts there. So with that, yeah, we're just going to jump right into week 13 because week 13 is massive. And the first matchup that we have on the slate here is, of course, Dallas Cowboys at New Orleans Saints in our Thursday night football matchup. That's right. Taysom Hill versus Dak Prescott, baby. Let's go. Now, I, for one, am thrilled to know that Taysom Hill will be taking over the quarterback position. We can get Trevor Simeon off of our television screens. I would like to say and that was fun, but it wasn't. Uh, I'm glad that's over. Not that I exactly love watching Taysom Hill play quarterback, but it's a hell of a lot more interesting to me than Simeon is. So I, when I started writing the show sheet uh, for this week, I was under the assumption that we were still unlikely to see Amari Cooper, and I was still unsure about C.D. Lamb's status for Dallas, and it appears that both should be a go. 
So we're going to have the Dallas offense mostly at full strength. I mean, we'll see how they look and we'll see how Zeke is as he's playing hobbled. Um, I imagine they're not going to ride him too hard. We'll see a little bit more Pollard than we're used to, but maybe not so much in the rush game. Why? Because, well, New Orleans has a tremendous run defense, so I do think we're going to see quite a bit of Dak trying to attack them through the air, and I think he's going to have quite a bit of success with it with his top dogs back out there receiving passes. I at first thought this might be a little bit of a lower scoring game, a little bit of a slower pace game, and I think that's something that New Orleans may still try to do, particularly with Hill at quarterback. I think we'll see him trying to run quite a bit. Uh, Kamara should be back as well. So they, I I think they're really going to try to gear their attack strictly around the run game, try and keep the Dallas offense off the field so that way that tough New Orleans defense uh, is very fresh every time they're on the field to do whatever they can to limit that Dallas offensive attack. We'll see how successful that is. Um, so it's going to be an interesting game, yeah, with those dynamics, things that I really wasn't anticipating when the week started. So who would I start this week? Who should you start? Who should you start? The person or people you should start would be, of course, Dak Prescott, would be, of course, Amari Cooper, and would be, of course, CeeDee Lamb. And I would venture to say Dalton Schultz, just all the usual Cowboys. I'm a little more hesitant about the running backs. Zeke, in particular, again, playing through injury. Pollard, while he's looked good, obviously, Mm, more than just tough on the ground. Will he get some you know, receiving work out of the backfield? Very likely. He's It's possible in today's ruinous fantasy landscape that you're going to have little choice but to play him and likely to play Zeke if you roster him. But neither guy I'm particularly excited about. So it's really Dak and his three primary receiving options. And on the flip side... Hill and Kamara and nobody else when it comes to New Orleans. That's all I'm playing. But I will say, I love Hill, and I view him as a top 12 quarterback this week. I think he's going to have a lot of success on the ground. It's going to be fantasy gold. Uh, everybody, well, everybody is the least favorite player, but Sean Payton's favorite son, Taysom Hill, is going to lead many teams to fantasy glory this weekend. If by some strange reason he happens to remain available in your league, make sure you pick him up and reap the rewards. And that actually leads me right in to my favorite prop on this game, and that would be Taysom Hill at over 26 and a half rushing yards. Now, in three of his previous five games actually played, he has gone over that twice, not even playing quarterback. With him at the helm, handling the ball a significant amount against a... You know, at times good, but overall still suspect Dallas defense. I expect him to have little trouble clearing that number. I mean, in a last game a couple of weeks ago, 23 rushing yards versus Tennessee. So I don't think this is going to be much of an issue for him at all. Now with that, we'll move on to our next matchup. And that would be the New York Giants versus the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Teams I don't love. Now, Miami is, of course, playing rather well recently. Tua's looking pretty good. 
I'm a Tua guy, so I'm thrilled to see that uh, he's having some success here in recent games, recent weeks, especially with Miami I, and Flores. I have no idea why they've handled him the way they have. The constant Watson talk that they wouldn't just directly shut down. They had to be vaguely worded constantly. Taking him in, pulling him out. Just let the guy play. Find out what you have. You have something good. So, and the Giants continue to reel. The offense is an absolute disaster in every facet. Can't run, can't pass, can't block, can't do anything. The defense has played okay, actually. It's kind of a a horrible disservice that the Giants' offense is levying on their defense. Just ugly football. I hate watching the Giants, to be quite frank. And I love Saquon, but he obviously hasn't been healthy most of the year. Uh, As he's come back, he hasn't necessarily looked great. He's had some big runs, but uh, on the whole, you know, you haven't been overly impressed. I remain very optimistic for Mr. Barkley. I I always believe in elite talent. It takes a lot for me to give up on it. So, yeah. And on the flip side, Waddles looked fantastic with Tua. Yeah, I, I gotta say, this is one that I think is definitely going to be leaning Miami's way. And one that I think is going to look a lot like recent games for Miami. You're just going to see a lot of precise passes from Tua. They'll Brad Gaskin a little bit. They'll keep it short, keep it sharp. Waddle will eat. Kasiki will get his. I don't think they're really going to have much trouble against that Giants defense. So really, I'd be looking as far as my starts go. I would be looking Miami's way. I don't know that I have two in my top 12, but if you've got somebody on by, he may be a viable option that may still be out there. I mean, he is completing most of his passes. He's playing turnover-free football. He's he's a guy you can just about trust at this point. I would play Gaskin. He seems to be getting past his odd week, even week. Mess with a strong performance uh, last week when he faced off against the Panthers. And on the Giants side, I would only play Barkley. He's the only person I would even consider. And in fact, I also failed to bring up, and I can't believe I forgot this, Daniel Jones may not even play. That may actually end up being addition by subtraction. Uh, But we've also seen a lot of Mike Glennon in the past. And Mike Glennon does not exactly inspire confidence that the offense is going to be turning around against Miami. So don't play any Giants unless Saquon Barkley, if he must, because at least there's always that chance that he pops the big play. No matter how bad the offense is, the team is around him. There's always the chance he breaks one. We know he's still got that potential burst. We've seen that a small handful of times this season. And depending on the position you're in, you just may need to have that, just the opportunity to have a player in your lineup that's capable of that. Saquon does that. So in a season long, that's somebody I'm going to start. Now, there aren't really many props in this one that I'm really looking at and really interested in, to be quite honest. The only one that really catches my eye here is Jalen Waddle. That's 60 and a half to go over. But 
I can't help but also be looking at Kenny Galladay and wanting to slam the under on 46 and a half. Maybe I'm just jaded. Maybe it's... <clears throat> yeah, he's already burned me so much. But I think that's the way I'm going to have to go. So I'm going to say my favorite prop for the New York and Miami matchup is, in fact, Kenny Galladay under 46 and a half receiving yards. You can take that one. Now, the next matchup we're going to take a look at here is Detroit and Minnesota. Interesting one. Interesting one. And I also fail to note all numbers that I am giving you here are as of Wednesday evening, uh, 8 o'clock Pacific time via prize picks. These are prize picks numbers. Why? Because they are a partner of the collective. Again, sign up using code collective. And I live in California, so traditional sports betting is not allowed. I cannot bet direct props, so I'm using what's accessible to me, what's probably a little more widely accessible. Depending on where you live, you have one of the two or both or possibly neither legal for you. Now, you can carry a lot of these over, compare the numbers. Um, The books and prize picks vary a little bit from time to time, so whatever your option is, you're still taking my number. I just want to know where I'm getting the number is from prize picks and that as I'm giving them to you, it is eight o'clock, well, 8.20 here on Wednesday evening Pacific time. So these are subject to change. Uh, you see overnight movement a lot, especially Wednesday to Thursday. They're still releasing a lot of props uh, during this time of the week. So as I say this, there's actually many that aren't even on the board yet. They will come but they're not there yet. So just keep an eye on it. And some of these, I may say, try and get on them early before they move because a lot of them do move. And a big moving time often is Wednesday to Thursday and Thursday to Friday before we get to the weekend. You'll see a lot of overnight jumps, sometimes midday jumps. So just keep a close eye. These are not static numbers. So Detroit and Minnesota. No DeAndre Swift. So I'm already pretty depressed about this. This game sucks just on that note alone. We're going to sit there and watch Jamal Williams. Gross. Yeah, Jared Goff and Jamal Williams. Hmm. While the Minnesota defense is far from stout, particularly on the ground, I just have a feeling a lot of people that are plugging in Williams this week are going to be sorely disappointed. I'm expecting very little from Detroit. On the other hand... I'm also expecting very little from their defense, meaning I am in love with the offense. Madison is in a smash spot. That feels a little too obvious. It almost feels like it's going to burn you, kind of like uh, Montgomery last week. Eh, but it's not a weird Thursday game. It's not Thanksgiving. None of that. I just don't see that being much of an issue. Madison usually performs very well in Cook's stead, and I do think this is one of those instances where we're going to see that again. So I'm not Hawkinson is, eh, I guess I'm starting Williams. Maybe if you're in a pinch, I mean, I've had, it just depends on how desperate you are. I'd do anything I could to avoid it. Quite frankly, there's a lot of other players that I would play in front of Williams, but I suppose you could do worse. I mean, it might give you a serviceable day, but don't be expecting, I don't, I, you know, one of those 20 plus point days. I, I just do not see that happening. <clears throat> 
I mean, you're probably playing Hawkinson if you have him again, because what other tight end options do you realistically have? That's really the Viking side I'm excited about. Roll them all, the big four. Give me Kirk, give me Thielen, give me Jefferson, give me Madison, all of them. I want them all. Happy to play them all. They'll probably be DFS plays. And it's hard to pick which prop I like the most, but I'm going to take the biggest one of all. And that is Justin Jefferson, who has the highest number of any of these players currently on the board. At 85 and a half receiving yards, he only managed to put up 83 against San Francisco, which is wild considering how terrible our secondary is, but our defense actually has improved quite a bit recently, so that's not too crazy. Green Bay's defense has been playing well. He torched for 169. Los Angeles, fantastic defense, 143, and I believe he cleared 100 versus Detroit in their first matchup this season. So look for Jefferson to smash. Don't overthink it. Sometimes the numbers seem high, and they are high. They are high. He's only broken that number twice in his previous five games, two times declared 100. But against Detroit, yeah, I'll take my chances. That is my favorite prop. Justin Jefferson over 85 and a half. Moving on to an A. Ooh, I almost said AFC. Ooh, I'm not that dumb, fellas. I'm worthy to be the fantasy hill, I promise you. No, NFC South matchup. Tampa Bay Bucks versus the Atlanta Falcons. LFG, baby. The Bucks have been weird lately. Still winning, but yeah, at least fantasy-wise, we haven't seen from Tom Brady what we saw to start the year. He's not going scorched earth on all of us. And <clears throat> Leonard Fournette is looking like he did at LSU at times. I mean, the guy is putting up points on points on points. He's got the third most receptions among running backs in the NFL. I believe he is only behind DeAndre Swift and Austin Eckler. Unreal. Absolutely did not see that coming from Lenny. Obviously, they were never going to be thrown to Rojo. They, they hate Rojo, but wow. Third among running backs. Wild. Four touchdowns last week, dropping a 40-burger on people, just woof. Uh, rough day for Chris Godwin last week. Generally, all receivers outside of Rob Gronkowski, who is, of course, a tight end, and it's looking like the Gronkowski of old at times, just Gronk, when he's not trying to scam uh, USAA insurance every Sunday, he's out there catching balls like a wrecking ball. To <laughs> Oh, busted. This is Rob Gronkowski, Super Bowl champion. <laughs> nah, I actually like Gronk, but <laughs> those commercials are so annoying. And sidebar, these USAA commercials, I got to say, absolutely drive me nuts because as they are very clear about, that it seems to be the central messaging of all of these commercials is only for the military community, which... Is fantastic, which is fine. I have nothing but the utmost respect for the military. My dad served in the army for many years. But the majority of your viewers, most of your viewers are not in the military or have family and they're not eligible for said service. It seems like an insane waste of marketing money to be pushing a product on people that you're telling them they can't. So are you really spending all this money just to say, <laughs> look at us. We can have USA insurance, not you. Like, I don't I don't really understand the point. Did see one person theorize 
a couple of weeks back that it was subliminal messaging, like subliminal recruiting for the military, like just this added perk. But still, we understand USA is only for the military, so let it go. (laughs) Devin boys, but I'm special. You are special, Gronk. You are special. As my family likes to point out anytime uh, you say the line in the commercial. And Atlanta just looks awful. Why? Because Matt Ryan looks awful. He looks shot. He looks garbage. He's not doing anything. Kyle Pitts, not doing much out there for you. The only thing happening in Atlanta is Cordero Patterson, the god, the MVP. That's who he is. That's officially who I would cast my ballot for, Cordero Patterson. And that's all you're going to play on the Atlanta side. That's it. I'm honestly pretty past playing Pitts if you have any other sort of option for the time being. Again, I guess he's the guy that is technically capable of breaking that big game for them as well outside of Patterson. But mm. just doesn't feel like uh, that's the kind of rookie season that this guy is going to have. He has only had one red zone target since their bye in week six. So in half the season, he's only seen one red zone target. That is awful. Combine that with how terrible Matt Ryan has looked. Lack of other weapons, easy for opposing defenses to key in on him because he is still a rookie. He doesn't have that veteran craftiness to be able to beat those kind of looks, and I'm not sure his coaching staff is capable of scheming him out of those either. So stay away from the Falcons except for CPAT. That's the guy. That's the man. Cordero Patterson. We love Cordero. On the other hand, of course, you play all of your Buccaneers. You're going to play Brady. You're going to play Godwin. You're going to play Evans. You're going to play Gronkowski. You're going to play Fournette. Love them all. And where? Let's see. So typically I stay... Oh, they don't have them up yet, damn it. I typically stay away from touchdown props, I got to say. Touchdowns are just so random. But Chris Godwin has played six career games against Atlanta has nine touchdowns. He scored at least one touchdown in every single game he's ever played against the Falcons. So if you happen to see that, if you see a prop for 0.5 TDs on Chris Godwin, or if you're able to bet straight up at books, put some money down on a Chris Godwin anytime TD, I don't think the streak ends this week. Definitely look for Godwin to score. However, among what is available... Rob Gronkowski at 49 and a half receiving yards is tempting. He has broken that three of his past four games, with the exception of his donut at New Orleans on Halloween, which is a game he probably shouldn't have been playing in. So the last two weeks, 71 and 123. What can you say? I mean, without AB, he's still another great target there for Brady. Brady loves and trusts the guy. Godwin doesn't always clear the yardage. He's at 65 and a half. That's that's close. I think he clears that, but I feel less certain. Evans at 60 and a half. Again, less certain. You never know. His three to five catches, you know, could end up going anywhere from 120 to just like eight yards, depending on how it goes. So that's a huge range of outcomes, one I'm likely to stay away from. 
I think that Rob Gronkowski would be my choice for this week's prop at 49 and a half yards. Take the over. I wanted to say take the under on Kyle Pitts at 52 and a half receiving yards. I really want to say take the under so, so badly. But that is the one area where Tampa Bay struggles is against the pass. I'm... While they have excellent linebackers, Tampa does, they're not exactly great coverage linebackers. So this is one that would really just take one big play to ruin. And that is still possible, even if it's going to be an overall poor game. So I'm going to stay away from that and go with the trusted source for Mr. Brady and go with Mr. Gronkowski at over 49 and a half receiving yards. Next matchup on the board that we have is the Los Angeles Superchargers at the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, the resurgent Cincinnati Bengals. Like, the Bengals are good. I know they made the playoffs with Carson Palmer a while back, but generally in my life, the Bengals have sucked. So this is strange. Really strange. And I'm still not even sure I've bought all the way in. And it might just be because of the name on the jersey. I'm not even going to lie. It's it's weird, man. Hmm. Jonah has chimed in and says, Pitt's under all day. I mean, I am inclined to agree with you, Jonah. I really am. It's 52 and a half seems really high for Pitt's. Let's see. In the previous five, he's cleared that twice, 60 and 62. And outside of those two 60-plus yard games, he broke 100 a couple of times when we thought he was breaking out, uh, starting with that London game. And (laughs) boy, not the case. And even before 60 and 62 back on Halloween, only 13 yards versus Carolina. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll say I really like the under, but I just don't like it enough to make it my favorite prop from that game over Rob is all. Now, when it comes to Cincinnati and Los Angeles, focusing, well, on a lot of things, because this is truly could be a game full of fantasy goodness. I think there's potential for a very high-scoring game here. The Chargers are a very inconsistent team. You really don't seem to know what you're going to get from week to week. And traveling across country, Cincinnati's defense has performed well at home, leads me to lean more in the direction that it could be a Cincinnati day. But that's just too simple of logic to follow. I do believe in Justin Herbert. And I think he's going to have a nice day. I, I just mentally can't get the thought of Cincinnati shutting down a high-end quarterback like Herbert with ease especially when Herbert is going in with weapons like Keenan Allen, like Mike Williams, like Austin Eckler, and I will even say like Jared Cook. I still think Jared Cook's got a little in the tank. On the flip side, the Chargers' run defense has been among the worst in the league. Actually, for fantasy purposes, they have been woof, 20, they were in 27th. Wow. So there are only five teams worse than them at defending the run and giving up fantasy points. So this is 
Uh, just something else that absolutely pains me to say, disgusts me to say, because this was a big miss of mine in the offseason. But Joe Mixon is going to absolutely destroy in this matchup. I actually do think you will look to see Cincinnati establish the run. I'd temper expectations. You know, Chase has been, or temper expectations for the passing game. I mean, to Chase has been, you know, He's still been out there, but it's definitely been a huge cool-off since the beginning of the season. Boyd, eh, you know, his usefulness tends to just be in PPR leagues if he can get a high target day. I'm not sure that'll be coming. And Higgins had a nice game, and actually his underlying usage has been rather strong. His target share and air yard share have been rather high. And expect him to still be involved, but the strength of the Los Angeles defense is their secondary. So look for them to ride Mixon as much as possible. And on the other hand, look for Herbert to be tossing the ball as much as possible. He'll be putting this ball in the air as much as he can, often even to Eckler. So with that in mind, we're going to take a look at Joe Mixon's rushing number because I'm on the receiving page. He's at 79 and a half. That is a high number. Before the previous two games, he had not cleared that in a bit. 64-33-59. But man, they are... The Chargers are rough against the run. They really are. 80 is kind of high, though. 80 is kind of high. What is Herbert's passing? 275.5 for Justin Herbert. Cleared that in 3 of 5. Cleared 300 in 3 of his last 5. 3 of his last 4. I think that's the way I got to lean again. Even in a game against Denver where he wasn't particularly impressive, he threw for 300 yards, and this could go a couple of different ways for Herbert. Either he's having a strong day anyways through the air, or he was having to play a little bit of catch up there in garbage time. I definitely see Bengals going prevent defense in a situation like that. Could easily pick up 100 chunk yards to in garbage time in the fourth quarter in such a situation. 275 seems... A little bit low as I'm looking at it. And I'm going to say hit that over on Justin Herbert passing yards. 275 and a half. That is right. Justin Herbert, 275 and a half. Lock it in. Now we have to go to a much less enthralling matchup. What a drop off. Bengals, Chargers, good teams jockeying for a playoff position there in the AFC to... One of the worst teams in the league, the Houston Texans, facing off against the Indianapolis Colts and Jonathan Taylor. Will we get a T.Y. Hilton game? Hmm. Nah, I don't think so. But I do think this could be actually quite the day for Mr. Wentz. That is the way I am reading this game. So, obviously, we know that Houston is a poor team all around, particularly on defense. And they are particularly bad against running backs. So certainly look for Jonathan Taylor to have a day, but they are right there hovering at the bottom third when it comes to giving up fantasy points against quarterbacks. And about middle of the pack in the last few weeks, they've actually been a little bit better in general in the last few weeks, but they get eaten alive by tight ends. And that is a huge thing for me. Why? Because Carson loves throwing to his tight ends. Mo Ali Cox, Jack Doyle. These guys are going to see some serious looks. Look for even Pascal to get involved. I Pittman needs 
the bigger guys, you know, that's who he's thrown to. That's why I don't expect it to be a Hilton day, despite his historical dominance. And I mean, dominance of the Houston Texans. I don't think the Colts are going to have much of a problem winning this game. I think this game's going to get ugly and out of hand. So from a fantasy perspective, I'm not playing a single Texan. Not one. Not one. The only possibility would be in a super flex league, desperate at quarterback, your second quarterback, your super flex position, I might play Tyrod Taylor. And Brandon Cooks. Because the Indianapolis secondary is truly... Not good. They do give up a ton of points to wide receivers, so you could see Cooks have a big day. I take that back. Yeah, Cooks is very good. He could take it over. Hmm. Dem boys with some good information here. Wentz went for 11 for 20 in last game against Houston, so I'd be careful with him. I think it'll be a huge JT game instead. I... I mean, I think it's going to be big for both, quite frankly. I mean, Indy's been on a bit of a roll. Both players have looked very good as of late and for quite a stretch, actually. I I mean, I'm always going to say JT over anybody and everybody, but I think this is a week that I think you should really look to play once if you have an opportunity to. I think he's in a very good spot. I really do. 11 for 20 last game, yeah. That's not the most encouraging, but when exactly was that as well? I mean, how early in the season was that? That would be my curiosity. So, Carson Wentz, week six. Yeah, 11 for 20, 223. Yeah, but still 223 yards and two touchdowns. So, I mean, he was still able to get him deep. He still put up 18 fantasy points. So, yeah, even on a day where he only completed 11 passes... He was still able to do that with no rushing either. Yeah, only threw the ball 20 times. That's a that's a good point, then, boys. And that would be by far a season low, except for what happened in Buffalo. And I guess you can't rule out the possibility of JT having a day like he did in Buffalo against Houston. Uh, as much as I want that to happen again, I don't think that's quite what we're going to see. But good point. You know, not every game script against the same team always plays out the same. Most of the season he has over 30. There are only three games this entire season that he has been under 30 pass attempts. And he has games of 40 plus, uh, 44, 51, 35, 37, 38. So typically he's putting the ball in the air. I expect more of the same. Trust me, as a person heavily invested in JT, really nothing would thrill me more than seeing 30 carries for JT for 200 yards and four more touchdowns, please. But Frank Reich doesn't like to do that, isn't going to do that. Bummer. So on the cold side, play Wentz. I would say play Pittman. I would say... It's so hard. Which tight end is going to have a day? We'll see. Yeah. Duh. You're just flipping a coin. You probably have better options, so don't play the t- uh, TD game with your TE. Might even play Hines. I don't know. Nah. 
stay away from Hines. It's just so tempting to play anybody and everybody against Houston. Not really. It's Wentz, JT, Pittman. Make sure you get those three in your lineup. That'll be big. On the Houston side, yeah, Tyrod and Cooks, like we said. Tyrod only if you're in a very desperate situation uh, in a super flex league and you need that second quarterback. Jonathan Taylor's over under this week, 100.5 yards. I am simply not going to touch that. It's a high number that makes me nervous that he'll clear, but I would never bet it under on Jonathan Taylor ever for two reasons. One, I always believe he's going to go over whatever number is posted. Not always enough that I'm going to throw the money on it, but I always believe he's going to clear it. And number two, I don't want to root against him. Why? Because I'm just too heavily invested anywhere, and I try to avoid placing my prop bets on players that I have huge, huge fantasy investments in. You're always blinded. Now, I, I can't really put too many bets on A.J. Brown. I do occasionally because I, I mean, he's A.J. Brown, but or DeAndre Swift against guys that you can be a little skewed on just because of your fantasy perspective. <clears throat> Not a lot of great bets in this one either, though. Brandon Cooks at 60 and a half yards, same as Michael Pittman as far as passing yards go. What are Wentz's passing yards? 225 and a half. Something he's cleared in three of five. Did not do so against Buffalo or Jacksonville, but has otherwise in seemingly most of his games. He hovers around that quite a bit, actually. And hit 223 against Houston last time on those 20 passes. Oof, I'm not sure that's one I want to touch either. I don't really think there's a prop that I love in this game. I really don't. I I would have to advise you not to play a prop. Sometimes the smartest and most responsible thing is to just sit certain ones out. While I may have it designated uh, as a segment to give you a pick on each game, I am not going to give you willy-nilly advice, stuff that has not been thought out. I mean, I've already run through all of these games. I already have my thoughts together. Um, I didn't write down picks with numbers because I started working on this uh, a little bit earlier. And numbers change, options change. But yeah, I just can't in good conscience suggest any of these. So I'm going to stray from any sort of prop bet when it comes to Colts and Texans. Now, moving forward and getting away from the matchup that will take place in Texas, we'll now get ourselves... Ooh. The Washington football team and the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders! Derek Carr, Taylor Heineke. Oh, man, this is two horrible defenses versus two respectable offenses. Sneaky shootout game. Sneaky shootout game. Derek Carr leads the NFL in passing yards, if I recall correctly, which is damn impressive, especially over the last few weeks without his former wide receiver one, although Deshaun Jackson looked nice last week uh, against Dallas. Happy Thanksgiving there, Deshaun. 
and the offense looked very competent. The Washington offense, they looked pretty good last week as well. Taylor Heineke looks strong against, actually, I wouldn't even say last week. It was only three days ago. It was Monday. So Taylor Heineke looks strong against Seattle. I mean, he is what he is. You know, he's probably not a long-term starter. He's a long-term high-end backup, maybe. Guy that few would, wouldn't would mind having in that particular role. So this is a tough one. I think this really this could be a game that really kind of comes down to who has the ball last. I don't really believe in either defense being capable of making the big play. I do think both quarterbacks have the it factor to make the big play on their end. I think this is just going to be a, a really big day offensively for both teams. Antonio Gibson has looked particularly strong. His last couple of games seems that he is putting his shin injury in the rearview mirror, which is great to see, particularly for his, I would say, fandom. He's got a very loyal group that very much believes in Antonio Gibson. And Terry should have a little trouble with that Raider secondary. My goodness, he should have no problem. Expect a huge day from Terry. Logan Thomas is not going to have an issue. The Raiders are particularly abhorrent against tight ends, which I think all leads to a big day for Taylor Heineke as well. So start all the Reds. Ooh, ooh, look at me. Whoops. Start all of the football team. All of the football team. Give me all the Washington. On the Raiders' end, just give me Derek Carr. Now, if you're looking for a tight end, particularly if you are... Ooh, I got to stop saying particularly. Saying that too often. Especially if you have lost Darren Waller. Hopefully you actually kept Moreau around. But if not, go pick up Foster Moreau. As we've already seen, he's more than an adequate fill-in. And he should perform quite nicely against the football team. So the, I, and you're going to play Josh Jacobs, obviously. Don't play Brian Edwards. I wouldn't play Deshaun Jackson. These are guys that are too volatile for me. Oh, Hunter Renfro, obviously. Of course you play Hunter Renfro. I believe the guy is wide receiver 10 since week 9? In the last three, four weeks, I'm with Waller out. Smash. Renfro all day. So get those top receivers for each team in there. You're starting Carr, you're starting Heineke, you're starting Renfro, you're starting Terry, you're starting Thomas, you're starting Moreau. Good shit. And, of course, Gibson and Jacobs. I mean, you're, you're starting everybody. Get all those guys in your lineups. I don't love Carr's passing prop at 275. That's a little high for me. You know, the same at Herbert. I mean, although he is leading the league in passing yards, maybe that's not too crazy. And Washington is awful. But I don't know. I may have to rethink that one. I think I like it. I think I do like it. We don't have any rushing. Pro- wow, that's why it's not there, because it's not here. There's no, no rushing props for that game yet. And then we'll see where Terry and Renfro and the boys are at as far as receiving goes. 
they don't have those up yet either. Wow. Well, they just skipped these games. There are entire games that they've skipped, but they still have some of the Sunday night and Monday night stuff up. That does not make any sense and is wildly frustrating. So the only prop I can really talk about is Derek Hart. Actually, the more I think about it, the more I like it. So I'm not going to say it's my favorite, but I would say if I have a lean here on Derek Carr, 275 and a half passing yards, take that over. I cleared that in three of his last five as well. It's a good number. It's one I would take. Now, <laughs> the Rams and the Jaguars. This is going to be awful. I know the Rams have looked poor lately, and I think it is largely because they have been an overrated team. They're not a great team. Sue me. Call me biased. Whatever. I don't care. The Rams are there. But they are going to smash the Jaguars. Absolutely smash them. This is the kind of thing we see from Matthew Stafford and have over his whole career. He'll play at an MVP level for a few weeks, and then he'll have weeks that you're not really sure that he understands what the sport is. That is what he is. Which is fine. I mean, in general, I like him, but he's a guy that has never been that consistent. Wildly, wildly talented, sure. Not that level of consistent play on a football field. And I think this is a week where he, he reverses course, and so do the Rams against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the Rams defense and Jalen Ramsey, number one, revenge game. Number two, it's just going to feast on the rookie quarterback, especially one that has struggled the way Trevor has. I love Trevor and still think he is going to be an absolute superstar, but... It's been a rough first year for him. It's not going to get any easier this Sunday in Los Angeles. I would not touch a single player on Jacksonville. The only exception would be James Robinson, again, in a desperate running back situation. But I would hope that I have potentially two better running backs. Who knows? It's running back's a disaster this year. But I do think it's going to be an absolute bonanza for Stafford and for the Jaguars. I think they're just going to go to freaking town. I was going to say I want to smash Hendo's line of 65 and a half, but he's only cleared that once in his previous five games. And I think this could be one of those ego games for Stafford and McVay as well, where they're really going to look to just fucking put it to him. You know, everybody's talking about him, saying they suck now or... What were these moves for? Bringing in Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, what the hell's wrong with the Rams? Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I could just see absolute scorched earth mentality coming out of uh, the Rams. I hit this line last week. Cooper Cup at 88 and a half receiving yards uh, against Green Bay. Just cleared it there in the fourth quarter. Seems like it's been that way a little bit, but he is... Cleared this line almost every game this season. In fact, that's something I want to check on here. Is where... Because I think it was only one game this year. He hasn't done that. Maybe two. 
was doing this research last week when I went to place that bet. Only once this entire season has he not cleared 88 and a half yards. The season low was against Arizona, 64 yards. Except for that, he has gone for 92 or more yards every single week this season. Every single one. And over 100 most of them as well. It's been over 100 about half the time. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, half his games, he's over 100. And when he's not, he's still in the mid to high 90s. So I'm going to make that my favorite prop pick of this game. Absolutely smash Cooper Cup at over, over 88 and a half yards. And I don't think I really discuss sits. I'm not going to sit anybody uh, as far as the Rams go. I'm more than happy to play. Oh, hey, sit Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby sucks. Uh, but play Stafford, play Cup, play Odell Beckham, and play Van Jefferson. And then, if you must, at running back, play James Robinson on the other side. Otherwise, sit everybody that is a Jacksonville Jaguar. Oh, ooh, another one that I really, really, really like. Ooh, I love this. The under on LaVisca Chanel, 45 and a half receiving yards. I mean... Yeah, right. Not happening. That actually is probably my favorite. That might be a single game duo I'm attacking. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, Visca under, cup over. That's the way to do it. A game that we're not going to spend too much time on here, and that is the New York Jets, J E T S, Jets, 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 versus the Philadelphia Eagles, E A G L E S. probably going to be an ugly game it's going to be bad quarterback play it's going to be bad football neither team is really any good neither team is looking particularly good although i mean up until this last week the rushing the newly formed rushing attack there for philadelphia was starting to pay off it was looking pretty solid uh, but eh, these are just not good teams this is a game i'm probably not going to spend too much time watching i just hate it. I would say, though, look for that rushing attack for the Philadelphia Eagles to continue to be rather strong. Why? Because the Jets are just simply the worst against running backs. And I mean the worst. In terms of fantasy points against, the New York Jets are 32 out of 32 when it comes to running backs scoring against them. Just abysmal. So the thing that ruins that, though, is we don't know who's going to be playing at running back for Philadelphia this week. We don't know how healthy Miles Sanders is. We don't know if Boston Scott's going to play. Jordan Howard's probably not going to be back yet. It's who knows. If there's any sort of clarity whatsoever on who's playing and who is going to be getting primary carries, that's who you smash. Right now, Miles Sanders' prop is at 62 and a half. In terms of the prop world, that's something I, if I knew he was going to be playing and starting, 100% hitting that. Um, and as far as season long, if you have one of these guys that, again, seems to have a clear path at some point, uh, that you know of that before kickoff, 
you play that running back. Of course, you're going to play Jalen Hurts. Almost always a QB1. Not the case this previous week for one of the only times in his career, maybe even still the first time. I am not sure. I avoid the receivers in general. The Jets secondary things. I might play Devontae Smith if you need to. A squeaky wheel narrative. And he is very good and has been getting very open. And with Rieger's just brutal drops, he's got to be looking Devontae's way more. So probably would be inclined to, to play Devontae Smith. On the Jets side, pass. Elijah Moore. That's it. Take the chance with Elijah. Toss everybody else in the trash can. Forget about it for this week. And back on the prop side, you know, because because they're playing the, the, the Eagles, the line of 43.5 for Tevin Coleman, especially going for after going for 67 against the Texans, seems tempting. Nothing I'm really going to touch. They do not have a line for Zach Wilson's passing yards, which is depressing. They don't have Jalen Hurts' rush yards up yet. For some reason, they've kept Jalen Hurts at around 50 yards, 49 and a half usually. And uh, if you see it under 50, automatic play. That's what I will say. Jalen Hurts rushing yards anywhere, 49 and a half or under, automatically hit it. It has been a very regular winner all season long, so stick with that one. Now, I think we're starting to approach the late afternoon here. We've only got one more game to discuss before the Sunday and Monday night primetime games, and that is one of the best rivalries in the NFL. That is the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers, or whatever. You know what I'm saying. This is a very interesting one for fantasy. Lamar struggled a little bit recently. The Baltimore defense certainly isn't what it was. The Pittsburgh defense certainly isn't what it was. TJ Watt's going to be out again. Big Ben stinks. But Najee is good. Deontay Johnson is good. We have... Struggling offense is going up against poor defenses. So it's, and it's a rivalry game, a division game. It's kind of hard to, you know, every number, narrative step, whatever you have, you kind of have to throw out the window. These games always play out in unpredictable fashion. So I'm not going to be too keen on any props when we get there, but I will say when it comes to starting and sitting here in your season long leagues, I'm inclined to start as many players in this game as possible outside of Ben Roethlisberger. I am going to play Najee Harris. I am going to play Deontay Johnson. I might even splash in Chase Claypool. Why? I'm not a big Claypool fan, but eh, he's got that big play potential, and Baltimore has been susceptible to that at times this season. On the other hand, I'm absolutely playing all the Ravens. All of them. I will play Lamar. I will play Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews. Of course, I'm playing Mark Andrews along with Lamar. And of course, I'm going to play Rashad Bateman. Now, I know the last two weeks have been a little bit quieter, but I still believe that this season will see more significant impact from Bateman. I truly do. 
And I would play Devontae Freeman if you need to. Now, not thrilled about it, but the rushing attack is still important to Baltimore, and he is still the lead back there, and is going to have the best rushing touchdown opportunity outside of Lamar, the guy that I would definitely look to have in my lineup. So play everybody in this game. Play absolutely everybody. There's not a lot of props up for this one yet. Deontay Johnson, 68 and a half. Uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood there at 55 and a half. By Deontay's receptions, I'm guessing it. Some crazy number. Oh, no, they don't have any of those up yet for them. Still a little early for this game then. Yeah, Big Ben at 240 and a half passing yards. Lamar at 220 and a half. That's when I'm probably going to take the over on there. Over 220 and a half passing yards for Lamar. But this is one I'd like to wait and see a little bit later to see what there is to attack. It's That's very thin in terms of what's currently available. Then we have the Sunday night showdown. We've got another big divisional matchup. The Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Broncos have... It would seem to alternate between good and bad games as well on a regular basis. Kansas City seems to be finding their form both offensively and defensively. And to be quite honest, I think that's the train that's going to keep on rolling. Kansas City. So I kind of think they're going to blow out the Broncos. I really do. Unless, unless Denver can really establish themselves on the ground, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon can really help them control the clock and control the pace of this game, I think it's going to get out of hand. And that Kansas City is going to run away with this one. So with that in mind, again, you're starting all the Chiefs. You're obviously starting Mahomes. You're starting Kelsey. You're starting Hill. And I would advise you to start Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think they're all going to have perfectly wonderful fantasy days. And I think Kelsey and Hill in particular, and Kelsey especially, is once again going to prove why he is the tight end one year in and year out, week in and week out. Travis Kelsey. This is going to be a big Travis Kelsey day. I would start the running backs, and I would start Jerry Judy on the Denver side. I would stay away from Teddy, stay away from Sutton, any other pass catcher. Tim Patrick always has a small amount of you know potential flux appeal. Um, eh. This week... I had that muted. As historically bad as Kansas City's defense was before these last few games, they have been very, very strong lately. I don't have a high opinion of Teddy or this offense, the passing offense. I'm not even thrilled about starting Judy, and I love Judy. But if you can avoid starting those players, I certainly would. And on Kansas City's side, don't, don't play McCole Hardman. Don't play... Byron Pringle or Demarcus Robinson. Forget all those guys. Just play the main four guys. That's who there is. They're a very concentrated offense. Focus on that. So we'll see if the prop for Kelsey's receiving yards is up yet. And it is 72 and a half. And I am just going to put out right now that that is easily, easily the number that I, or <laughs> my favorite prop here. So, 72 and a half rushing yards, or I'm sorry, 72 and a half receiving yards there for Travis Kelsey. Doesn't have his receptions prop up yet, but if you see it at six and a half or lower, 
hit that. I certainly think he's going to hit seven catches. Big Kelsey day, but what's on the board right now? 72 and a half receiving yards for Travis Kelsey. Pound the over. And finally, we go into another highlight matchup, a huge matchup. AFC East Divisional Showdown, a huge matchup in the AFC in general. The first place, New England Patriots versus Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. I think most of us, myself absolutely included, expected Buffalo to absolutely run away with this division. Forget about it. I mean, Jets and Dolphins, yeah, right. Patriots are always the Patriots, but bringing in a rookie quarterback, whereas Allen has started his ascension, you know, last year into superstardom. This is really going to be big. Now, while Mac Jones has been the most ready of the rookie quarterbacks and has performed well, I do think the love for Mac Jones at times has gotten a little out of pain. Uh, the defense in New England is really who's you know, driving this bus. Bill Belichick as well. They're doing a tremendous job. And Mac is doing his job, don't get me wrong. He has not been bad, but he's doing what he's asked, doing it well. But he's not the one making this run happen. He's just not screwing it up, which is great. Perfect game management. A lot of players like that. I'm a 49ers fan. That's Jimmy Garoppolo's job. Often very good at it himself. So... Uh, but the defense is what really has me stuck on this particular game. This is one I don't have strong feelings on yet and may take me through the weekend to figure out, but I'll share with you what I'm thinking as of Wednesday evening. And that is last year when it was a tough matchup for Buffalo to go and face New England. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs torched him, but it feels a little different this year. It feels like it just hasn't really clicked the exact same way for that Buffalo offense, and the Patriot defense is much better, obviously, with a lot of people that have returned and the other additions they have made to that defense. So I'm not as confident, but I can't get that out of my mind. Again, starts and sits are relatively obvious, especially on the Buffalo side. You're 100% playing Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Dawson Knox. And you might have to play Sanders or Beasley in your flex again. More bye weeks, more injuries. We're in a rough spot. On the Patriots side, Bourne really has come on. I mean, I think he's really made a case to be a flex player in your lineup. I think you kind of have to play Kendrick Bourne if you have him. Unless you have an absolutely stacked team, but there's a very good chance he is one of the top three receivers on your team and will need to be in your lineup. Damian Harris, Mac Jones, I would not play. See, Buffalo's defense is strong, but they've had occasional collapses themselves. Overall, though, they perform fairly well, so I'm not really Hunter Henry and Kendrick Bourne are probably the only you know, one touchdown potential. I, I don't know that this is going to be a big yardage day for that offense. I just, I still, I believe in both these defenses, but I believe in the Buffalo offense more. So you play your typical Bills, 
you keep it conservative there on the Patriot side. On the prop side, this is probably another game that I'm not really going to touch. There's nothing currently on the board that I feel comfortable putting my name on in terms of it happening. I would say the only one I kind of like is Mac Jones here under 220 and a half passing yards. He, except for Tennessee last week, he hadn't broken that in a while. So, yeah, keep him under 220. Although Trey White, I believe, is now out. Dad, this is don't don't put money on this game. Just enjoy it. It's going to be a good football game in real life. Don't make any props on this one. And that concludes the Week 13 slate. So hopefully that'll give you a little bit of insight on helping you make the correct lineup decision so you can win this week. This week, an extremely critical matchup, one you absolutely have to have. And also putting together some good little prop entries. Make yourself a little cash on the side. Because, hey, you might need a little help in your fantasy league. But you just got to win a couple of those picks to make that money. And that you have direct control. You're not competing against anybody else except the damn books that are trying to trick you with whatever numbers they have. But use this information. Use this knowledge. Let's have a successful and profitable weekend, everybody. And speaking of profitable, that'll segue us into our final quick topic here before we exit. And that is the weekly prize picks discussion. Please sign up if you have not already at prizepicks.com. Please use code collective, K-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V. You will receive a deposit match, a 100% deposit match of up to $100 if you sign up using code collective. That's a free 100 bucks. So just go sign up, get a free $100. Like we're telling you just get a free 100. It's, it's very simple. And... Have some fun making some picks. And as you make your picks, as you decide to make your picks, please keep an eye out for the following things. Number one, which we started last week on Thanksgiving, that is our Thursday night picks. Each week we will now be bringing you Thursday night picks. Just give you a little pair that you can take to prize picks. Little, little duo, triple your money for the night, and help often... Take the edge off would have been some very bad Thursday games. Come Sunday, every Sunday morning, usually close to kickoff. eh, Lately, it's been within an hour or so of kickoff, that 9 o'clock hour on the West Coast, 12 o'clock hour on the East Coast. We will give you the Collective Core 4. That's right, the Collective Core 4. Four of our betting team's best We'll, of course, be giving you one pick each. You can choose which to put together, which to fade, which to do whatever. But we've been looking rather good. Uh, we are 7-1 and one on our eight picks the last two weeks. We'll keep going. We hit our Thanksgiving picks. We were 2-0 and oh on those. Let's go, man. Let's, f- Ooh, let's freaking go. And then, last but not least, something brand new introduced Jesse yesterday. That is Taco Tuesday Picks. This is Prize Picks exclusive. Every Tuesday, do Taco Tuesday, and they will give you a discount on a player prop. Typically, it's 20%, usually on somebody's points or rebounds. It doesn't really matter, but you'll get a discount, and it's usually on a star player, so it makes it a little bit fun. You know, you'll get Kevin Durant's points off. You'll get Steph Curry's three points made, you know, knocked down. 
And it makes it easier to root for those guys, and those guys, you believe, are going to have a better chance at hitting those overs, which is where the discount helps. If you're looking at unders, those discounts are the opposite of what you want. Uh, but the stars are looking for overs. Those betting on stars are looking for overs, and that helps make it a little bit more achievable. So get yourselves in there, and uh, every Tuesday, keep an eye out. You'll see him from, typically, might even be seeing him from uh, our fearless leader at the Collective, Carbon Fox. Uh, keep an eye out for those. So you get picks three days a week, and even a fourth is, we'll start to bring you much more of that type of information here in the boardroom. And we're just looking to, again, you know, this is a boardroom. This is, uh, got a little bit of a business mindset, so we want to make some money in the process obviously in our paid leagues our buy you know we're looking to get those back and then some over these next few weeks let's try to make a little on the side while we can as well right we're smart you, know, you guys are smart you're here you're listening this is this is what we're here for we're here to get down to business and if we're getting down to business we should be making some cash but in order to be effective we do have to be well rested well acknowledged and I, I'm not even in that state myself. A lot of these deep sighs and pauses. Uh, so I think that is a big sign for me to say, Week 13 is here. That's right. Again, playoff fucking push. Make the moves that you need to make. Get the right people in your lineups. If you cannot remember, go back and re-listen to this episode. We already told you, or hopefully you took notes. Get in there. Make that playoff push. Get in. All you gotta do is make the dance. Anything that is in there. And when you're the go make it dance. Oh, but week 13 is here, baby. We only have a few weeks left. Just enjoy it. And with that, the fantasy boardroom is adjourned.